Be Fabulous with Vibs and Vicky, the ThinkShift podcast for professionals who aspire to be fabulous leaders, those who not only succeed, but also purposefully seek to reinvent the world. Welcome to the Be Fabulous podcast, the 2021 series. We're back, Vicky and I are back, and we've been planning, we've actually planned for this series. And what are we going to do? This is we're going to do, I think, 13 episodes, maybe 14 episodes on fundamentally the fabulous person's guide to the future of work between now and 2025. Vips, it makes it sound like we never plan. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I, I, I would suggest we put more planning into this round than we did in the last one. <laughs> you mean we just winged it? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, but I think you know now we have. I mean, you, you've seen them. We get feedback from people who listen, and so they now now more. there's a duty of care and responsibility that's a little bit different from maybe maybe how it was before. So well, yeah, we started this as a, an experiment during COVID uh, to give our listeners. Well, well this a was bit this more. was like our virtual group hug, you and I, and uh, <laughs> and now is now it's slowly turning into something. It is. And some of this has been input from those of our listeners who are like, hey, we want your perspective on, on, on this. So you're going to hear a lot more of that. So for you listeners out there, if there are topics you want us to go into in a deeper way, uh, let us know and we'll give you our perspective. That's awesome. So basically for everyone out there, what we're going to do today in today's podcast is we're really going to set up this, you know, what I call the fabulous person's guide to the future of work. Um, and we're going to set it up in terms of six themes, six key themes that we've identified and six hot skill areas for 2025. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you through all of those today at a high level. And then each podcast that we do here on in will, do it, will be a deep dive into each one of these areas. So Vicky, take us through what they are. All right, I will. And when you think about deep dive, many of you have asked us to expand on our thinking levels. How do you go from tactical to operational to structured to systemic to meta there's a really hard concepts to 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 really get so in each episode we're going to take one of these topics and look at it through the five thinking levels to make it real for you and i know that's going to be so much fun for me and vips to do and hopefully you'll enjoy it as well so the six themes so the first one which is very topical right now is when we think about our post-covid world what is actually going to rebound? What is going to stick? What does it mean when we have a hybrid world of work in the office and remote? What's it all going to look like, world post-COVID? So that'll be our topic number one. <clears throat> topic number two is, well, we've been through a lot over the last year. You know, What is the emotional Kevlar that we need in order to guarantee our success? So that might look like the mental health we need at work. How do you become bulletproof? so that you don't get affected by the trauma of what's going on in the world? And how do you create this when it didn't exist generationally like this in the way things have before? So we'll be touching on topics like belonging, uh, expectations of the workplace. We live in such a noisy world right now with so much disinformation and cancel culture. How do you become immune to that? Be still aware, but immune so it doesn't affect you. And how do you think about any beliefs that you might have that may be formed at a point in your life that you don't even know? How do you stop them from weighing you down? So emotional Kevlar is topic two. Emotional three then becomes, how do we become adaptable uh, and reskill 
which has always been important, but right now it's going to matter more than ever. So we love to say, you know, rest in peace, functional career paths. They're just not what's required anymore. There's going to be this new class system, really the intersection of so many domains, things like technology, marketing, business. How do you become skilled at all those things so you can be a real player in the hard skills of tomorrow? And then we're going to look at group unity. So as organizations, many of us weren't trained for having conversations to create group unity. And we're living in a world that is exacerbated by polarization. So how do we, how do we have conversations about unity and why is it so important? Topic five is then going to cover socially conscious companies and why they're becoming mainstream. How are these big, hairy, global issues being tackled? And, and what does that really look like? And then number six in this topic of themes is, all going, to, is going to be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Is that something that's really going to accelerate or is there a risk of it fizzling out? So those are our themes, Vips. Those themes sound so strong. Um, we, could, we, could, well, we are going to do an hour on each of those. Um, why don't you tell us about the hot skills now as well then? So that's the, that's the first, first six will be on the themes and then we're going to, or topics, and then we're going to do six on hot skills for you as fabulous people to be successful uh, between now and 2025 that you might not have thought of. What are those ones, Vicky? You know, Vips, when I think about 2025, you know, in one sense, I feel like it's a lifetime away. And then in the other sense, I feel like it's around the corner. Yeah, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, when I think of 2025, I think of retirement. That's what I thought, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I thought you were well, going to say. Well, you only have to retire when you feel like you're working. And I don't work, Vips, because I love what I do. So. <laughs> anyway, take us away. Tell us about those, uh, those six as well. All right, so when we think about 2025 and what we need to do to get there, the first is all about the new way of thinking critically and problem solving. And we're going to dive into why our brains are fundamentally lazy and they're to keep us safe. And how do you drive yourself to think across these five different levels so that it becomes just a part of what you do? We'll also start to help you question why you believe what you believe. And that'll dive into our individual, our normative, and our societal belief forces. You know, why do we believe what we believe in, in the different ways from how we think about society to our own individual beliefs? Skill number two uh, <laughs> is in this new world, how do you, what we call, measure and manage the madness? You know, three M's there. <laughs> are OKRs here to stay or are they dead? You know, what does that look like? How do you measure and manage the madness when the world's becoming very grey? I think our clickbait headlining got a lot better, Vicky. <laughs> the mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then number three, how do you build group unity uh, in a way where it's taking centre stage and it's not this afterthought? So this looks like embracing the grey, understanding trade-offs, staying away from those binary decisions, recognizing that there typically is no right or wrong, but rather a series of judgment calls and consequences and being okay with those. Number four is how do you get to build the skills to be a, what we're calling a proactive consigliere across all business areas? So you're not just the master of your domain, but you are called on by the business areas 
uh, and you proactively go into those areas as their consigliere. And that's from The Godfather, right? <laughs> well, yes, it is from The Godfather. <laughs> yeah, I, I have visions of, uh, of uh, Duval in The Godfather, playing that role for The Godfather. But, but, no, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the, the idea is more serious. It's, it's really getting to the idea that just being really, really good at our domain is not enough. Mm-hmm. We have to be sufficiently competent in all the other domains that we touch. And we're going to touch more and more and more of them in the modern enterprise. Good. Five then becomes the topic of stewardship. So how do we start to take care of things that are required for multi-year challenges? Uh, diversity, equity and inclusion is one of them, but there are many others. Climate is another one. Climate is another one. Social justice. I mean, there's so many different elements in this. How do you, how do you create that when the world focuses on quarterly results and short-term wins, especially here in the US? And then number six, how do you know that you're winning when you get a proactive pull beyond your functional area? Meaning, how are you recognized as somebody who can help all areas of the organization and the business rather than just your own domain, uh, and people pull on you for your, your expertise with a different perspective that you might add to their, their area. Those feel like a good set, Vips, those, what do you those, think? those are pretty solid. And uh, I suspect there's people out there trying to write these down right now as, as a list. Don't worry, they'll be in the show notes if you haven't seen them already. Um, so what I think we should probably do, Vicky, for, for this episode is maybe just for each one of those, um, share our own views on what, why did we put them down? Like, wh- wh- why, why were they exciting enough, enough for us to A, make this list, but feel like it would be worth sharing, um, not just with our listeners, but any fabulous person that's kind of on that journey to success in 2025. So, so I think that's what we should do, if you're up for that. Mm. I, I, know that I know that wasn't planned and prepared, but I think that's a nice way of doing it to stop us from actually going into the content of each one of those areas. <laughs> I know, because we could spend five hours right now. I know, we don't have five hours. We want to keep this, we want to keep this within the time frame that people expect to listen to a podcast. A nice walk. A nice, a walk, nice walk is what we're trying to get to. So, okay, so let's do that. Let me, let me tackle that first one, the, this post-COVID world. Why, why did we put that down? Or why did you put that down? So uh, we are in such an interesting stage right now where, where some organizations are, you know, heck no, people are going back into the office once this is done, can't wait to get back. Doesn't matter if you're in Los Angeles and you have hours and hours of commutes. We believe you need to be in the office where we can see you and you're doing the work. Then we've got the other extreme where organizations have got used to working remotely, working on Zoom and Teams and Meets. And they're like, why would we go back into the office? We've got these terrible commutes. There's all that drama that goes on in organizations when people are around each other. Why don't we create a world where we go in very deliberately for the perspective of belonging, but everything else we do remotely. And then there's going to be some kind of hybrid. And so what does this mean in terms of how we need to show up as we think about ourselves as individuals, no matter what organization we get into? I think it's a really important topic. What do you think, Vince? Yeah, no, totally agree. And and I think there's, 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 you know, first order questions like that, but then you have like the, maybe slightly the more opaque, the hidden consequences. Um, you know, I, 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 as things become more blended, you know, people, the economics change. People have moved. Many people have changed states. People are living in different places. I, I can't tell you the number of people that I know that have just left New York. Uh, I have no intention of going back. So when you look at the, 
when, when you look at that, you know, there's it's going to change even, um, you know, urbanization versus uh, rural growth. Yeah. Um, you know, all in time for Elon Musk to make another God knows how many billion off Starlink because suddenly there'll be Starlink popping up like everywhere in rural, rural areas connecting the world. So this, this idea is actually quite profound, um, not just in the US, but everywhere in the world. And then you, then you say to yourself also things like, you know, the things that people haven't really wrapped their heads around, particularly from a professional point of view, is it's kind of right now when everyone's on Zoom or Meet or whatever it is, it's kind of level playing field. The problem's going to be when six people are in the office and two people are on Zoom. And if and the dynamics of what then happens and people start feeling excluded and then how that then shows up in performance evaluations, rewards, promotions, that kind of stuff. We, we haven't really wrapped our heads around that. And we've got to be careful that by trying to do something, you know, something that's being designed to make things more f sort of fluid and desirable from an employee experience point of view, don't end up actually diminishing career pros prospects for fabulous people. Mm. So, so to me, it was, you know, we can do it at, like with all of these, we can do it at the, you know, the lowest tactical level, but, but there's a lot of headroom to go, to go quite high on this one. Okay, so that's topic one. So let's talk about uh, topic two then. Emotional Kevlar will become absolutely critical to success. Where does your head go with that one, Vips? Yeah, I've got to tell you, man. You had me at the title of this one, emotional Kevlar. <laughs> like I, when we came up with that, I think it came up almost like in uh, we were talking about. It. That's what we need. We need emotional Kevlar. There's too many people out there right now who who don't seem to have the Kevlar to be able to be resistant to these bullets that are firing at us from everywhere in the metaphorical sense. And so, yeah, this idea of emotional Kevlar for me it was, um, you know, I, I talk about this concept of brain hijacking all the time, and I think. What, where we're in now is, you know, as we try to be more of ourselves and our best selves and more whole brain and more, more present and get in touch with our, our internal sense of well-being and so forth, what we, what we all, the flip side of that is we also open ourselves to be emotionally hurt more. And when we think about it from a professional standpoint, um, the consequences of that can be, you know, an absence of resilience. People have it hard finding it harder and harder to sort of spring back. And so the idea of emotional Kevlar was how do you, how do you keep performance going, not just for yourself, but for your teams, while increasingly feeling like you're being um, either attacked or disappointed or having to experience a set of emotions that, that may be hurting you more than they would have two, three, four years from now. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to do it. Mm. No, I love that. Yeah, and, and for me, it dovetails off that and it talks about this noisy world that we're in right now. So not only with the speed of information, uh, but all the, the disinformation that's out there, the, you know, the cancel culture, the polarization in the world, it's very, very noisy and it can feel overwhelming to so many people. So how do you stay abreast of what's going on so you're not, not informed, you stay informed but you don't let it weigh you down so that you can be happy, be productive, be effective while still in tune with the world, but not affected by the world. How do you, how do you be in the world, but not part of the world? And it's crazy. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. 
So yeah, I, you know, we think that, you know, we've, we've talked for years about the idea of emotional intelligence. I think emotional Kevlar is almost more important right now as an enabler to, to emotional intelligence in a way that maybe, you know, in a way that maybe Daniel Goldman didn't think about it when he originally wrote his book, but no doubt is thinking about it now. Um, so that's kind of where we want to dig into there. Um, so we'll go to the third one. So mm. adaptability and reskilling will matter more than ever, Vicky. Why? Mm. So this one, this one is really interesting. And we're seeing it today with organizations that are blending the way they work more and more. So you're starting to see organizations that are uh, blending uh, technology and marketing more and more. A lot of the tech budgets now sit in marketing. Um, when you think about data, when you think about apps, it's very blurry where they all sit right now. So as executives and as individuals who think about organizational growth, thinking about it in a traditional domain way is, is, is not going to work in the future because what's valued is people who can see the whole system and understand the different perspectives and understand the trade-offs between these different dynamics. And oops, I think data is really going to exacerbate all of it because it gives you another perspective on, on what's really going on, that you're able to see the facts of your situation in a completely different way that isn't as polarizing or as um, myopic as just looking at, through it through one lens. In the past, it was very easy to be, well, you know, I, I'm in technology, I need the budget and resources for this platform because it's going to give us the ability to, to take over the world. And marketing will be like, well, that's all great, but actually we need to reach all these amazing people. So I want all the money to get out there and do that. Whereas now it's, hey, they're all important agendas. And how do we become skilled and versed at them so that we can have a, a rich discussion in different elements and not be one focused in one area? Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And what I would probably add to that is, you know, I, I, I think there's, um, I think we're on the cusp of a fundamental rethinking of, of what does it mean to have a career path? What does it even mean to have a career? You know, um, I mean, you know, the traditional, the traditional idea is very much, you know, you, you, you're following a path and the idea of the path gives you some kind of security with regards to income potential, responsibilities, that kind of thing. And, you know, in a world where your value, certainly if you're on leadership track, obviously that's our passion, is your, your value disproportionately comes from your ability to adapt and learn new things and apply them for economic value quickly, as opposed to how many years of whatever skill you have, you have, or how many years of experience you have in your area. And that, that is going to be hugely um, destabilizing at an individual level, but from an organizational management point of level. And my view is that companies haven't really wrapped their heads around this and just kind of hoping that um, they're kind of hoping that traditional career paths will be okay and it will work. And, and they, will for, they will for anyone that isn't a fabulous person. <laughs> it's probably the way I would describe it. And I think that's going to be the challenge. So that's kind of why we wanted to put it there. Yeah, and those that are fabulous, you'll start to see the opportunities and the wealth potential grow exponentially. That's right. We are seeing it now. We're seeing it now. We're seeing it now. And, yeah. and you can't find them. Then they, and when you do find them, they earn gazillions um, because they're just, and you can't even, and you can't even very concretely articulate in data terms why. And that, that's that, that's what that, that's what that that 
theme is going to mm. get at. And we're going to help you try to figure out how you, how you not only understand it, but then how you, how you show up to be able to take advantage of that if you're truly a fabulous person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, I, you know, I'm a bit worried about this whole fabulous person thing, Vicky, because we might only have like 10 listeners at the end of this because <laughs> it'd be like, I'm not fabulous enough. I'm sure there's more than 10. <laughs> Well, I hope they're on the journey like we all are. Which uh, we're is, we're hey, we always can, on the journey. We can, we can all be fabulous. Uh, it just requires a lot of deep inner work. So group unity. Uh, this, is a, this is a tough one, Vips, because this is, this is what we've been experiencing so much of, of the last year. Even though we've been remote, even though we've been in a really unusual situation with the effects of COVID where we've been isolated more than ever, We've had to start to create unity around topics that are really, really important. You know, whether it is uh, the racial unrest, the social justice, the different themes that are coming out that have always been there, but have been amplified over the last year. And group unity, when we think about that post-COVID world, what does that look like for an organization as we think about belonging? And how do you create that when you have hybrids are people in the office and people outside of the office? How do you have that when you've got very different views politically um, from a interest perspective and everything else? The traditional ways of gathering, you know, the little happy hours and coffees here and there just aren't cutting it, Vips. You know, they, 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 they're not bad, but they don't go far enough to create belonging and a sense of who am I and why am I here versus it, versus it being a, a transactional situation. And that's just at the organizational level. Now we think across the world, the level of group unity that's required, that's a whole nother topic. Sure. Well, last year you had, you know, you had, you had family, well, the year before you had families that couldn't get together for Thanksgiving because of political differences. And so, I mean, you've got it at that level as well as at the you know, company level. So this idea of group unity, I, th- I think it's so powerful because, um, and I think, I think the more this idea that, but we weren't even trained for it. Is it even appropriate? Why should I have to do this? I, I, you know, I, I, I'm at work to, to, to do my job, to create value, earn money. Why, why do I have to do all this stuff? Well, it's really because generationally, the expectations of a new generation are so much higher in terms of our contribution um, to so, social, economic, and political issues. We, we, I, you know, as leaders, it's almost like as, as business leaders, you know, we had it easy over the last 30 years, but now it's mm-hmm. really, it's going to, it's hard and it's going to get harder because the problems that we face as a society are going to get worse, not better. I mean, they, they are harder problems to solve. They will get better over time as we resolve them. But they, 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 you know, when we talk about environment, we talk about recycling, we talk about climate, we talk about poverty, we talk about social justice. These are complex multi-generational, hardcore problems that, that from a business point of view, um, it's no longer really acceptable to not, to not being good stewards of those causes in some way, shape or form, whichever ones you choose to make. Mm. And that's really where I think this group unity comes from because I think it will ultimately turn into a problem with talent, being able to keep talent. You know, the best talent will expect their organizations to take a stand. Yeah. And that one's going to be a hard one for us to move from meta all the way down to tactics because we we'll want to stay in meta for that conversation. That, yeah, that one's tough. <laughs> that one's tough. All right. So socially conscious companies will become mainstream. What's that one going to be about, Vips? 
So the reason why I put that there was it really dovetails from the previous one, um, but it's, it's really the idea that it's becoming increasingly unacceptable to not have some level of purposefulness, social conscious, a reason why we're here above and beyond making money. A re- th- those things, you know, whatever you want to call them, triple bottom line, there's so many, there's so many initiatives and ideas out there. Um, and so many companies, you know, I, I think of companies like Warby Parker, um, who have, you know, baked in the idea that, you know, every time you help us, we help someone else. Um, we have that at ThinkShift, you know, every time we help us, we help, you know, we help someone else. Um, th- those are becoming mainstream primarily because, again, top talent and fabulous talent is not going to accept otherwise. Um, so, you know, for, for fabulous organizations that are really going to be, um, you know, the engines really for, um, for a better world, ultimately, will, will you know, they, 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 won't re, they won't resign these issues to just corp, corporate social responsibility. Um, they will be taken more seriously at a, at a, at a mission level, if you will. Um, and that's more than just marketing. The, the, mm-hmm. I, I think what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing real teeth given to that in terms of, in terms of shareholder governance, in terms of economic commitment, financial commitment, and uh, strategic commitment over a long time frame. So that should be fun. And I think many leaders don't want that, right? Because it's hard. It's like it's hard enough. It's hard enough to have a to 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 have a good business that makes money and you know keeps my employees happy and everything else. And now you're just putting a whole bunch of extra stuff on me. Yeah, that's, and what, that's, that's what it means. And stuff that's not easy to define either or measure. Yeah, correct. <laughs> So that's why that one's there. All right. So sixth theme, DEI accelerate or fizzle out. Another super tough one. Why don't you go for this one first? <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. So certainly here in the US, after the uh, the unrest in the summer of 2020, there was a lot of interest in accelerating the diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda. And we at ThinkShift received so many inquiries and requests to support organizations through this journey. And it started with, hey, we're very interested in more than training around unconscious bias, more than getting involved in recruitment and looking at who we hire and are we hiring in an appropriate way. We really want to set the foundation for living and breathing this in a way that we are managing it, we are creating belonging around it. It's just what we are, so that it's no longer a conversation. When we're no longer talking about DEI, we know that it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. And we've already started to see that the energy around it, when it comes to hard dollars, touching on the previous conversation around socially conscious companies, We're really seeing that the commitment to actually put hard dollars beyond training and recruitment is just not there in many organizations. The will is not there. It's too hard. It's again, it's one of those, it's going to take many, many years. It's it's too fuzzy. Don't know if I want to go there. So we thought this would be a really great one to unpack in a lot more detail. And a highly emotional one for every, for all of us. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's, um, it's it, this one I think will be really, really interesting because I mean, obviously, from my perspective, um, the answer is not to allow it to decelerate. But I think it's also the challenge when so many organizations have embraced DEI through the lens of perception management. Um, 
you know, rather than rather than full-blooded commitment from a leadership will point of view. And I think that's that's where where you know it, it's easy to create motivation. It's hard to maintain stamina, particularly when you're talking about things that are really hard and going to take a long, long time to do. And so that's really what we want to try to draw out from this one is how, how do you create long-term stamina for this sort of initiative so it doesn't become, you know, a, a footnote, um, it's, you know, or a chapter in, you know, it was that period where this was really important, but then it stopped being so important and something else became really important. And that, that, that cycle is what we want to really explore. We're using DEI as a lens to do that through, um, quite frankly, because it's been so, um, it's so real for mm-hmm. us at the moment, so particularly needed. in the States. Yeah, so needed. So, th- so those, are, those are heavy themes. Uh, there's people out there thinking, wow, these guys did prepare this time round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, I love that. So those six themes we'll be looking at through the five different thinking levels. So for those of you that want to understand what it means to be more strategic uh, and get out of the day-to-day and the weeds and, and raise yourself up through those five thinking levels, we'll use these six themes as a way of, of discussing each of those different areas. Here's my prediction, Vicky. As we do that, there'll be so many people who listen is like, Oh God, I thought I was being strategic, but I'm really very tactical. They're going to, there's, there's, there's some, um, I, you know, as I was thinking through them, I was like, oh yeah, gosh, I haven't been particularly strategic on that one either. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of that kind of moments um, when we do those, when we do those segments. I think you're right. It's, it's too easy to be down a few levels, but up there it's tough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's cover off the, um. The six hot skills um, for 2025 as well. So, so what we, you know, the, the idea behind these again is more things you have to get much better at doing as opposed to what's the environment going to be doing around you, which is going to mean that you're going to have to do things. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the first one. So the first one we put up there was we have to look at critical thinking and problem solving in a different way. Why? Surely critical thinking is just critical thinking, Vicky. Well, you know, if you think about critical thinking and problem solving, it's it's been on the core skill list for, I don't know, as long as I can remember this, 10, 15, 20 years. You've always seen critical thinking and problem solving as one of those key areas we need to get good at. What we are saying, though, is we've got to think about it completely differently because our world has got so much more complicated. So it's not only at the, the tactical level. It's not only for what's in front of you. But it's looking at it through that longer-term perspective. It's looking at it from the perspective of, of different communities and different groups. Um, so you can think about, at different levels, what problem are we solving? So is it the world's problem? Is it society's problem? Is it the company's problem? Is it the team's problem? Is it my family's problem? Is it my problem? And being able to critically think your way through all those things and see both perspectives. So both? I think in the, all ten. All ten. <laughs> I think in the past, we might have been able to see our perspective all the way through those things and get to meta. But the challenge I see in this one, Vips, is that to be able to see everybody else's perspectives and talk it through the five levels to get to the point where we understand it and can understand all that data from their perspectives, that is going to be the challenge. But if we don't do that, then we're going to be in this crazy place where we are right now and never get out of it because it's it's too easy to stay in our own views and not be willing to go into somebody else's views. 
I mean, social media and the and the the the, the depending on the news channels you 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 watch, you have a completely different view. I, you know, <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and they had a completely different view of the the racial racial unrest that happened last year. And to me, I thought that was pretty pretty black and white, to be honest. But <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, I see how you did that. I see how you did that. <laughs> Little pun there. But it's not, Vips. It was it was quite. You know, I, I listened from this perspective of let me truly understand why do they believe what they believe and why they're seeing it the way they're seeing it. Um, and it's hard not to get emotional when these topics come up because. <laughs> and, and it's awful. It's often. It's also you know that 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 that. Um, I I think it's there's something about when that one the, the, you know what we're, what we're calling the new critical thinking and problem solving patterns, um, and you 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 know you see them through the lens of the themes that we described earlier, particularly emotional Kevlar, um, and what a post COVID world looks like it takes on a whole different level of importance in terms of your, your ability to be able to navigate if you are not just going to be successful, but also lead and manage others. And, and so it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, if you pardon the expression, it's a shift up time. I mean, it's, it really is not going to be, we're not going to be able to get away with what we've been doing now. It's going to, it's going to be an up level um, for, for the leaders of the future. All right, so you talked to us then about the second one, what we love to call the, the three M's. Three M's. <laughs> measuring. measuring and managing the madness. Yeah, this one was, um, you know, this is probably the one that, that, that really emerged from one of our listeners. Um, and and, uh, and he, knows, he knows who he is. And he knows who he is. <laughs> uh, you know, a quick, quick shout out to Brian if you're listening. Um, but... But but the but the idea is actually you know it's one of those things that sounds so easy you know we you know we set goals we identify measures and KPIs and accountabilities and we do those and if we do them well the world will be a wonderful place and our problems will be solved and we'll all make tons of money and the business will be successful except it doesn't yeah except <laughs> it's it's one of these things that's so seductive on paper and just doesn't work in that way and so. You know, where, where we kind of got to with this was, was we want to take a sort of a sort of a deep dive almost into, you know, whatever, whatever you call it. OKRs is, 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 you know, is a language that, you know, I think originated from Google. Um, but, you know, whether it's goal setting, whether it's KPIs, um, development objective. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different languages we've had or, or semantics we've had around this basic idea. But, but what it also, what I'm also trying to get to is, you know, the whole you can measure things forever and you can manage things forever. At some point you also have to do. And so, so, you know, how, how do you, how do you develop the right skills as a leader and an executive to not get lost kind of to not, to not get lost in the science of measuring and aligning and managing all this stuff and actually making sure the results and the outcomes are actually occurring. And more importantly, you're not getting, you're not getting the side effects for the, from the very results that you are after that actually ended up take, giving you the wrong outcomes. Well, those good unintended consequences. Those unintended it? consequences, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, you know, and that that's really where we want to get to because I think sometimes these things become, they become industries in themselves, and they they end up not serving uh, their organizations or the people in the way they were designed. And actually, actually end up creating more stress, more anxiety, and lower performance and lower productivity, and and that's that's the area we want to tackle. But I just uh, a quick um, um, sort of punchline here. 
we are not going to be suggesting that you don't have accountability and you don't have goals. That, that's, we don't think that's the right answer either. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's looking at it from a, a wider perspective. So as, as we talked about those themes, especially those hard ones around group unity and socially conscious companies and organizations and, and DEI and, and, and post-COVID world and the emotional Kevlar, I mean, there is some tough stuff there that doesn't lend itself to to goals in, in a in a very practical way. You know, there's certainly things you can do with goals in those different areas to make sure you're making progress, but it really is a way of being. It's not really a way of doing. Now you can do things to get to the way of being, but you've got to embrace the being of it. And when you focused overly on on measuring and managing, you you kind of forget that we are, you know, I love to say that we're human beings, we're not human doings. And we don't just get the value from all this doing. We can get there and be hugely successful, but if we don't have a good sense of our being and our happiness, the rest doesn't really matter. And so that's going to be a pretty meta conversation when we touch on that side of it, but I think it's going to be valuable. Yeah. All right, take us to the next one then. Building group unity takes center stage, Vicky. Why, do, why does building group unity take center stage? Well, you know, if, if we think again about the themes that we've touched on, the skills that you would have learnt in your mastering of your craft and even managing uh, and even leading teams are not necessarily the same skills that are going to be needed to create group unity. So this becomes a lot more grey. This becomes a lot more of being willing to understand the differences of perspective um, and being open to the different points of view and seeing the bigger goal of what you're trying to do to create whatever your agenda is, whether it is socially conscious, um, whether it is about climate change, you know, whatever you decide your agenda is, how do you create that, that belonging and that bigger sense of why you're there doing what you are, that people believe in and want to follow and that's not a skill most people have ever learned, Phipps. You know, it's hard enough having a one-to-one -one relationship with somebody. It's hard enough to have a great one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody. Creating group unity when you have multiple people thinking different things, oh my gosh, you know, that's a whole other skill set that we're going to have to get into in a deep way. Yeah, you know, Vicky, this one, um, I was actually talking to a coaching client of mine about this after we, we, we created this, this list. And as I was trying to explain it, you know, his eyes glazed a little bit. Oh, why do I have to, like, he, he was having a hard time sort of understanding what I was getting at. And then in the end, you know, quite spontaneously, I said, look, do you understand that with this level of complexity and challenges that we're going to have in the world going forward, that, that all professional leaders who are going to be successful in the future are going to almost have to become like, like, business environment, professional diplomats <laughs> and negotiators. And as soon as I said that, he was like, oh God, yes, that's exactly how I feel half the time. And, and it just, we, we don't think of that. We don't think mm. of diplomacy and, and you know, diplomatic negotiations as something you do in a company. I mean, we, we think of, you know, price negotiation and we think of lobbying and we think of, but we don't, we don't think of, we don't think of it that way. And, um, and I think what it's really saying here, again, is it's a it's a skill set that typically is not cultivated as part of that normal mm -hmm. career path um, earlier on, and um, 
how, how do we find ways to bring, how do you find ways to build that muscle, um, you know, as you scale, because you're going to need it, you're, you're going to need it a lot more now than you would have 20 years ago. I'm just thinking about all the organizations that I've touched in my 25 years plus doing this kind of work. And I, I just feel so happy as I think about if those leaders could create group unity in the way we're talking about it. You know, what a, what an amazing organization they would have rather than the the silos and the uh, unintended fighting that tends to happen as people focus in on their own little domains and groups. So the next one, Vips, being our godfather, the proactive consigliere for <laughs> business areas. <laughs> All right. So, so the basic idea is here that... Um, we think it's going to be a real, really important skill for all people on that journey to being a fabulous leader, to become, to turn themselves into good advisors. And I mean, I, I don't mean advisors in the consulting sense or in the, you know, in the Bain McKinsey Accenture sense or, or, or even in the ThinkShift sense. I, I just mean that, that um, it's going to become a core competency of, a core competency of more levels of leadership to be able to be sought for, for your advice on how to handle complexity while recognizing that and welcoming the idea of being stress tested, welcoming the idea of being challenged, welcoming the idea that from the dialogue and the discussion and the challenge and the, the food fight across the room will emerge a better, better answer that's ultimately better for our company. It's better for us as individuals. And we can, we can agree, we can disagree, but, but, but we work it out. And, and that's what I mean by this, this idea of not just, not just engaging when someone comes to you asking for advice, but engage, but know how to do that proactively to help someone not hit a pitfall, to help someone, um, you know, maybe do something better than they would have done otherwise, or, or work with a partner in a way that's different from the way they would have thought of it before. So this, this kind of idea of seeing, seeing oneself as a consigliere, an advisor, a coach, um, so, someone who's going to, someone who's invested in the other person's success, I think is going to start becoming more and more and more of a core um, business leadership competency, you know, even, even down to sort of director levels. And I think that right now that exists at the very top of organizations, but it, but it's not really, it doesn't really exist as you mm. go a couple of levels down. It's interesting. I've been working with the leadership team over the last couple of days and the theme we had for them was family. You know, what does it mean to operate as a leadership team, as, as a family? And I mean, take consigliere, that's, I mean, that's, that's all about the family, like well, the Godfather the was the family. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that were part of my team this week and know what I'm talking about, you know, think of the Godfather. This is this is your role of of looking to minus be, all minus all the crime and the drugs and the, and the prostitution and, the and everything else. <laughs> and the shooting and the you killing. You don't kill each other if you don't like each no. other. <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah. So take us to the next one, Vicky. Stewardship for multi-year challenges. So with those themes that we touched on, none of them are easy. None of them are 90 days, quarterly, focus, and we're done. They all have these, these generational, multi-year, even multi-decade uh, themes to them. So what skill do you need to be a steward of that? What belief system do you need to be a steward of that so you don't give up the will halfway through and want to just die? 
um, because it's you're having a fight. You're having a fight with a system that's focused on short-term results, focused on efficiency. So how do you get a bigger sense of purpose and what's your, what's your willingness to fight and what are the things you're dying a hill for and what are the things you won't? Yeah, and how do you how do you continue to push the boundaries on that without without putting yourself in a place where you're no longer able to fight for those things? And that's that's the to me that's mm -hmm. that's the skill. That that's the core skill. It's you know, if you're passionate about anything, let's whether it's race, whether it's climate, whether it's gender, whether it's uh, pick one. Pick, pick whatever to or, uh, pick whatever topic you want. Th these things are stewardship over decades. Decades. Um and and the, you know, while while we absolutely need, in my opinion, need to make progress against all of these and push the boundaries on all of these, there's no point if you if you if you break the system to the point that no one's going to listen to you and work with you anyway. In which case, in which case, it's kind of like an own goal. And I think, I think there's, um, there's you know, stewardship implies kind of how do you the skill of how do I move things forward as fast as the environment around me can sustain and be uncomfortable by but without blowing up. And that's, that's the way I, I like to yeah. think of it. Well, you have that, that perfect edge where you are scared and excited, right? That's it. And it's risky. And it's risky. And it's risky, which is why, which is why generally so many non-fabulous non -fabulous leaders will just avoid yeah, well, it altogether. It's too hard, it's too, too risky yeah. to play to win. Who are you thinking many about now, Vicky? Leaders. I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> many, many, but... Uh, It'd be so easy for them to switch to being fabulous if they would just lean in and take those risks. All right, you take us away with the last one, the proactive pull beyond the functional area. Yeah, so this is really, um, this is almost more like a measure of success. Yeah, if you, how much do you experience yourself being pulled for your help, for your input, for your, for your guidance, for your advice? beyond your area of expertise. So you're in IT, you're a CIO. How much do you really get pulled into financial conversations that got nothing to do with IT? How much do you really get pulled into legal conversations that got nothing to do with IT? How much do you get pulled into mergers and acquisitions conversations that got nothing to do with the technology due diligence, for example? Or if you're in finance, how much do you get, how much do you get pulled into conversations about marketing? How much, you know, so this, this idea that fabulous people and fabulous leaders will, if, if you are truly operating from a place that's more balanced between your content power, positional power and personal power, then you will know that by how much proactive pull you're getting beyond your functional area. And this is one of those ones where when we do this one, there'll be a little tool that goes with it. And there's probably gonna be a lot of people looking down, feeling guilty that I'm guilty of this. I don't do enough. I'm not, you know, I think I'm wonderful and I'm doing a great job, but at the end of the day, no one's really coming to me for my advice on anything other than what they're expecting me to do. And I would suggest that that's not good training to be a fabulous leader of the future. Might make you a mediocre executive, but it's not gonna make you a hmm. fabulous leader. Okay, so we covered there a good overview, I would say, of the six themes and uh, the six hot skill areas. So what were they? The six themes, post-COVID world, what does that look like? Uh, second one, emotional Kevlar, what does that look like for 2025? How do we adapt and reskill, and, and what does it mean to have a career in 2025? Group unity, how do we have conversations we weren't trained for? What does it mean to be a socially conscious organization? And how does it become mainstream? And DEI, does it accelerate or fizzle out? 
Bips, what were the six skills we touched on as we wrap up? Yeah, so skill number one, what we've called the new critical thinking and problem-solving techniques that are essential for fabulous people. Second one, how to measure, manage, measure and manage the madness. That's really hard. That's really hard to say. How to measure, manage the madness. Measuring it, oh, whatever. You get the idea. That's the, one on, that's the one on goals and objectives. The third one, as a leader, allowing building group unity to take center stage and using it to drive results. Fourth one, how to be a proactive conciliary for all businesses, minus all the, all the sort of criminal connotations that brings up from, from the Godfather movie. Uh, number five, stewardship for multi-year challenges. H- how, do you, h- how do you take on big multi-year, multi-decade type issues and take the baton forward in a way that's going to be optimal? And last but not least, um, how you measure yourself in terms of proactive pull beyond your functional area and seeing that as a measure of success. So Vips, we have a wonderful series coming up. I am pretty excited. I think each topic is fascinating. Uh, No doubt we are going to be looking at it through all the different lenses as we think about tactically all the way to meta for each of these themes. Uh, I'm excited. I hope you all are too. So we wish you a a wonderful uh, week and be fabulous. Be fabulous, everyone.